0: We open God's word today to the book of Romans, beginning in the 12th chapter and the 9th verse. Romans twelve nine begins, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind and diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, Devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let us pray. Holy Father, how good it is to come into your sanctuary, to your place of peace and safety, and into your presence. What a gift it is, Lord, that we can call upon you today. It is not because we are deserving We have failed this week, this day, in thought and deed. But you are faithful to forgive, to cleanse us. And we are so thankful, Father, we would be lost without you. We desperately need you. We need your wisdom, your strength. We read such passages And we know that we cannot do this without you. We cannot overcome our past without you. We cannot forgive without you. And yet we know your will. And we pray today, Father, that by the power of your Spirit that you would burn brightly within our hearts. That you would give us strength to overcome to grasp the glorious future that you have for each one. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a story of a mother who uh, goes running into her seven-year-old's room because the boy she hears is just absolutely screaming in pain. And so she runs into this little boy's room and she, you know, goes in to see what's happening, and she realizes that her two-year-old daughter has a, a, a death grip on her son's hair and is just pulling it for everything that she's worth. She runs to her daughter. She takes her little hand, and all the time she's looking at her son saying, "'It's okay. They're there. It's all right. She didn't know it hurts. She didn't know it hurts. It's all right. She didn't know that it hurts.'" Finally, she gets the little girl's hand out of his hair, and they start to play quietly with one another, and she goes and leaves the room, but as soon as she gets around the corner, all of a sudden, her two-year-old is screaming. She runs back in to see what's going on. What happened? The little boy looks up to her and says, she knows now. (laughs) That's the first reaction sometimes, isn't it? We want to strike back. She hurt me, and now I'm going to make her understand what hurt is. We're hurt, and so the temptation is to want revenge. We want satisfaction. We want an eye for an eye, or sometimes worse. And if we can't get that revenge in the physical world, well, then we're tempted to create kind of revenge scenarios in our mind and play them back over and over, sometimes for years, sometimes for decades, sometimes for the majority of our adult life. And yet the words of Jesus are so entirely different. And if we are to call ourselves Christ followers, we should listen to his instruction. Responding to Peter's question, how often shall I forgive? Jesus responds, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to... Seventy times seven. In other words, the number seven is the number of perfection in the scriptures. Just forgive and keep on forgiving. So we might ask ourselves today, why does Jesus ask us to do this? And so often in the answer, the answer is because he loves us. And he knows and we know that unforgiveness really doesn't work. Unforgiveness steals our joy and our peace. It keeps us living in the past rather than embracing what God has planned for us, the glorious and bright future that he intends. One author explained, Life either expands or contracts in direct proportion to your courage to forgive. And so last week we began to walk a path of forgiveness. We identified three steps. One step would be the first, acknowledge that you've been seriously hurt. Don't deny it, don't suppress it, but admit before God and perhaps even the offender that you have been hurt. Number two, understand that forgiveness is a process which is impossible without the help of the Spirit. We often think that forgiveness is like a light switch when in fact I think it's more like a dimmer, that it takes time. And it takes prayer and it takes dependence upon the Spirit. Number three, understand that forgiveness is not saying that the offense is okay or giving the offender permission to repeat the offense. Trust takes time to rebuild and in some cases it will never be re- rebuilt. But forgiveness in part is letting go of the anger and the hurt. For- forgiveness is typically defined as the process of concluding resentment, indignation or anger as a result of perceived offense, differences or mistake and ceasing to demand punishment or restitution I want to focus on that last one just a minute, ceasing to demand punishment or restitution so step four down the path of forgiveness is surrender your right to get even as you are not qualified to judge That's what the Apostle Paul says. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Surrender your right to get even because you are not qualified to judge. There is only one qualified who has all the wisdom. Several years ago, I was pastoring my very first church and was still in the army. I was still in seminary, and it was just kind of a crazy, chaotic period. And on top of that, I was just having one of those days. It was just really a struggle. And so I kind of set a goal that if I could just kind of make it through the morning, that I was going to go and have a nice lunch, Quiet. I had a book that I was looking forward to reading to spread it out and just have a moment of peace. And, and so there I was at this restaurant and everything was going according to plan until there was a busboy that came through. And this busboy, he was cleaning tables, except he wasn't just cleaning tables, man, he was getting with it. He was kind of singing a song as he was going. He was dancing as he was cleaning. He was clanking silver, wearing glasses, and he was having a good, loud time. Well, I looked up to scowl at him. To communicate my displeasure, but he had his back turned toward me and he just kept singing and dancing and clanging and cleaning, and I gotta tell you, it was annoying. And so I started to judge him. And he's just some teenage kid. Look at his pants were about to fall down. Had no respect for patrons. And I judged that maybe I just needed to say something to that manager. And so I began to play a little scenario in my head. Now, I know that you're too holy for this kind of thing. But I thought I might just say it'll be a long time before I come back into this restaurant again. About that time, the busboy turned around, and it was the first time that I had seen his face. And it was clear by his features that he had Down syndrome. And at that moment, the Spirit spoke to me and said, Look what you have done. This is important. You see, I'd thought about how I had judged that obnoxious punk kid, and he'd probably not ever amount to very much, but I hadn't had all the information. I didn't know his history. I didn't know his situation. And Instead, what I had judged, the truth was that he was a great winner. He was a success. He was working, and he had overcome great obstacles in his life. He was helping to support himself, and he was taking great joy in his work. And if there was one of us that was a loser at that moment, you can kind of figure out who it was. I didn't have all the information, and I realized that I wasn't qualified to judge. You see, only our Heavenly Father has all the information and the wisdom And the Spirit said to me, look what you have done. This is important. Let me put it another way. Say someone offends you, or perhaps even worse, someone that you love. Well, my first instinct is kind of an eye for an eye, and maybe both eyes. But do I have all of the information? Did the offender's father so brutally hurt and twist him that Really, we should blame the father. And so we might say, yes, take his eyes too. Or or perhaps we should blame his father's father. Yes, blame him too. And so, how far do you want to go back? Do you want to go back five generations, 10, 15? Do you want to go all the way back to the garden? Do you want to judge Adam? And would it really help? And do you really want to wear the judge's robe after all? Do you really want to sit behind the judge's bench? Do you really feel qualified? Rather, maybe we should just take off the robe. Because we don't have all of the information and we aren't qualified to judge. Step five. Ask God to help you see the offender as he sees them. I learned recently about a man named Bob Pierce. Bob Pierce is the man that founded World Vision. Maybe you've heard of that. They've supported hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of children. Children that are in especially great need and danger. In 1950, he was in South Korea observing the devastation of the area and how women and children were being Packed into small areas. There wasn't enough housing. There wasn't enough accommodation to meet such a great demand. And you can imagine how difficult that was. And after a horrendously hard day, he went back to his little home. And he penned these words in the margin of his Bible. Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Do you hear the power in that? Holy Father, humbly help me to see as you see. I'm not qualified to judge. I cannot see what you see. Help me to see your children as you see them. And I can tell you it's powerful and it works. I had a real problem with a a senior woman that was in the church that I first pastored. And she seemed angry all the time. I didn't really understand it. And she seemed especially territorial. From the very beginning of my pastorate there, she made it pretty clear that this was her church and I was just passing through. One woman of the church came to me and she said, Cal, I need you to come with me. I need you to see something. She took me down to this woman's Sunday school classroom. And I walked in and of course there were several cabinets all over. There must have been about six of them. And and, uh, on every door of every cabinet, she had placed a padlock on it. So only she could get in to the resources that were in there. The room was a glitter with the padlocks all over it. And I began to look at that. And I got to tell you, it, it troubled me. It, it made me angry. I just didn't think that was a very Christian attitude. And I began to pray about it. Sometimes I have this thing where I kind of pray and grumble all at the same time. It's a dangerous prayer because that's often when the Holy Spirit will show up and kind of show me where my error was. At that moment, I had the very strong sense that I wasn't to be this woman's accuser, that I was her pastor. I was called to be her friend and her brother in Christ. And so I began to pray in earnest. And for the first time in my life, I prayed that prayer, Lord, help me to see her as you see her. A funny thing happened just a few days later absolutely true story that woman that was probably in her late 70s who had never been anything but kind of angry toward me she came up to me completely unexpected with a picture and she held it in her hands it must have been 60 plus years old it was so old that it wasn't black and white it was kind of black and brown you know kind of torn and frayed at the edges It was the very church where I was serving some 60 years ago, and they had taken the whole church out in front and taken a picture. And she said to me, can you tell which one I am? Well, of course I couldn't. And she pointed to a little girl in the front row on the right-hand side with the most beautiful smile on her face. She pointed to that little girl and she said, "See, see that dress? That was the most beautiful red dress I ever had. And as I was holding that picture in my hand, I began to wonder, what happened? How many things had been forcefully taken away from her over those years? to make her so protective and territorial. How many nightmares, both day and night, had she endured? And I realized God had answered my prayer and shown me a glimpse of what he saw in her. A precious child of God, full of hope. So every time she confronted me from that on, or every time that I looked at those padlocks that were in her room, I tried very hard not to see that 70-plus-year-old woman, but the six-year-old girl in the picture, so full of joy and hope. And because of that, I think I began to treat her differently. And the truth is that she became one of my best friends in that church. Every Wednesday night when we would go to church, I'd meet her there. And she would quietly just kind of walk up beside me, not direct. And I knew that she was waiting for me to give her a hug. And you know what else? The padlocks came off the cabinets without me ever saying a word to her. Ask God to help you see the offender as he sees them. Let my heart be broken by the things that break your heart, God. And perhaps even be so courageous as you have walked down many steps and allowed the Spirit to help you that you might even begin to pray for good things in that person's life. Step six. If possible, As you forgive, enjoy the healed relationship. You see, here becomes the the payoff of forgiveness, or at least in part. Now, honestly, I know that sometimes that won't be possible. Perhaps the offender is a mom or dad that has passed away and reconciliation isn't possible. Perhaps the one who is offended isn't willing to participate in such a healing process. But at least, listen, you can know That you have done what Jesus has asked of you. And that you can be set free. And sometimes reconciliation is possible. And I I swear to you that the results can be the sweetest possible friendship. It's like a, a bone that is broken and then when fixed and healed, the bone where it was broken becomes the very strongest part. It is not common, but it is possible through your humility and the power of the spirit and god within you step seven understand forgiveness is not a suggestion but an imperative now listen every time somebody tells you well you've got to do this you know part of us just kind of wants to get our back up but listen it's not me who's saying it. it is clearly our lord jesus our master Jesus explains through the use of this well-known parable, which begins with these words, for this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to. Listen, just stop. I think what he's saying is, you know, we want to get on with the story, but the parable says that the kingdom of heaven can be right here and right now if we will just be obedient to what he says. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And so I thought to myself, I'm not sure what 10,000 talents is. What's that equal to? And so I looked it up this week, and I was shocked to find out that 10,000 talents in today's money would be $8,400,000,000,000. Whoo! Some serious money. Jesus is clearly saying that the slave's debt is astronomical, that he'll never be able to pay it back. And so he's sold into slavery just so that he might pay for some infinitesimal part. Verse 26 says this, so the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything, which of course is impossible Yet verse 27 says, the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. And the slave responded, whoo, that was a close one. I am so thankful, I am so amazed by the generosity of the master that I'm going to pass on that same kind of generosity to everyone I know, right? Not so much. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. Now, today's money, a hundred denarii, is $1,500. That's no small amount of money. But that's not really the important. The, what's important is the comparison. He was forgiven $8,400,000,000 but would not forgive 1500 Hardly seems right, does it? Jesus didn't think so. In summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt a lifetime of debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave? In the same way that I had mercy on you and his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that he was owned. My heavenly Father will do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. And if that... Isn't clear enough? Jesus could not say it more succinctly. In Matthew 6, he says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And who among us can afford that? Remember now, we're not saying that the offense was okay. We're not saying that we'll ever allow that to happen in our life again. What we're saying is that we're not going to be imprisoned by anger. We're not going to live in the past. We're not going to have our joy stolen. But we're going to move forward to the glorious future that Jesus Christ died for, paid such an incredible price for. If you do not forgive Your Father will not forgive you. Why does Jesus visit and revisit this theme of forgiveness over and over? Why is it such a significant theme throughout the New Testament? Because you and I have been forgiven so much. And now to forgive others, to release ourselves from the pain, and perhaps others as well, is worship It is obedience because unforgiveness doesn't work. We know that. If there are those here today that are trapped in the past, we know that it doesn't work. It steals our joy and prevents us from living in peace and wholeness. And it prevents us from being like Jesus. Step eight, know that all these things are being like Christ. Can you hear the broken voice of Jesus from the cross? But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. When you forgive, you are being transformed into the image of our Savior. Love and forgiveness was a choice Jesus made. Neither Was it easy nor inexpensive? It probably won't be for you either. But it is a good one. A Christ-like choice that will lead you toward a path of blessing and abundance. Are you willing today to take a step down the path of forgiveness? Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious Lord, we thank you so much. We stop to remember all of the good gifts that you have given us. We remember the words of Scripture that says that you emptied yourself of the glory of heaven. We know from the Gospel's Father that Jesus walked the dirty paths, that he humbled, he condescended himself. Nothing was taken from him, he Voluntarily went, carried his cross, my cross. And even from the cross he asked for the forgiveness of others. Lord, we know in our minds, in our hearts, that forgiveness is right. There is such clarity in the scriptures and yet we honestly, openly confess before you today that we struggle. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that you would do something by the power of your Spirit that I cannot do. That you would bless them with the mighty conviction to take one step toward forgiveness. We do this in obedience. We do this in love. We knew this because we know it will lead to wholeness. That we need you so. In Jesus' name. Amen.